Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Tonight we got a good one. We got Jillian Smith, associate of Hill and Knowlton, former chief marketing officer for Toronto Region Board of Trade. Hello there. Welcome. Thank you. And Bob Richardson, senior counsel at National Public Relations. Hello there. Good evening. Good evening to you. Let's talk about uh, two. I mean, it's just been a huge, huge news day on both sides of the border. But let's start with the case uh, here uh, that we just talked about. The private investigation team hired by the Sherman family, uh, Brian Greenspan, coming out on this and being very, very clear that the uh, police did not do their job. He cited a whole bunch of reasons why they felt that the Toronto police uh, dropped the ball. And then they offered a $10 million reward. But let me just kind of play you the back and forth because... Um, it was kind of an hour long of dumping on the Toronto police, which forced uh, the chief of police to come out and defend himself. But here was a bit of the back and forth. Before any investigative or inquiries had taken place, they came to the conclusion and announced to the public that there was no sign of forced entry and that they were not currently seeking any suspect. At no point in time did the Toronto Police Service say that this was a murder-suicide. People took the ball and ran. We did not say that. The the police failed to properly examine and assess the crime scene where Barry and Honey Sherman were located in the basement by the pool. This investigation has been done um, to a very high level of professionalism and high level of expertise. Police resources have neither been properly managed nor effectively utilized. The investigation... All right, so it went back and forth like that. I don't blame uh, the Chief Jillian for coming out and um, defending uh, his people. It is not an easy investigation, and I get the desperation of the Sherman family, but did you think it was fair? Do you understand why the investigative team came out to do what they do, or do you think they were wrong? I I don't think that they're wrong necessarily, but you have to look at it from their point of view. So they're they're doing anything they can to 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 drive the investigation forward. However, when you look at it from the Toronto Police point of view, uh, they're they're fighting this with both hands tied behind their backs. So Chief Saunders, as you heard, was responding to comments uh, supposedly made on the record. So he can re- he can respond to those things that are in the public in the public domain. But he's not free to comment on an ongoing investigation, nor should he. And now what's happened is you've potentially got people from around the world who will be chasing the $10 million reward and offering up spurious evidence or, or, or tips that now everybody's going to have to chase their tail to pin down. Yeah, I mean, Bob, it does certainly add a whole bunch more complexities. And the Toronto police, as you know, this year, they have some of the biggest cases on their plate that they've ever seen with the MacArthur case. You've got this case, the Tessa. I mean, there's so much. And I wonder whether this today undermines confidence in the police. Well, you know what? Um, I'm not sure I have a huge amount of confidence in the police based on the way that they've handled a number of cases recently, one in, uh, one in the gay community, this one, yeah. based on the evidence. And by the way, a number of the people involved in the private investigation side for the Sherman family are really noted former veterans of the Toronto Police Service. Tom Platt is a good example of that. Interestingly enough, his partner, when he was in the Toronto Police, was Mark Saunders. So, so these are people who know and understand policing. There is something wrong here. There is something wrong in terms of the investigation. There's something wrong in terms of, I think, the, the follow-up here. And um, it concerns me. It concerns me here. It concerns me uh, on the investigation in the gay community. There seems to be something lackadaisical 
in terms of the management of some of these files in uh, in the in the uh, in with the police. And I think it's something that's worth the, that the police commission should be having uh, the police, you know, the police board should be having a look at. Not not to mention the amount of time it's been since we've had an update. I mean, you just look so, uh, to the yeah, to the south today. In two hours, we know everything and we know nothing here. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, that alone makes me nervous. Yeah. You know, given the size and scope and public nature of this story, not to do an update for months and months and months and months, I think is is not good. So, you know, I think the Toronto police need a little bit of a boot in the you know what. Uh, and we need to sort of take a look at how we're handling these sort of cases and uh, make sure that we're doing them to the best of our ability. Let's talk about that case across the, the um, aisle because it, it was like lightning speed by the time we get an arrest. And, and the suspect turns out to love stickers. Those stickers do tell a story of sorts and that he hates the Democrats. He hates CNN. Political attacks happen. This is not new. Both sides, uh, you know, have had these things happen. But Trump was asked late today if he will tone down the rhetoric. And this was his response. Well, I think I've been toned down. You want to know the truth? I could really tone it up. Uh, because, as you know, the media has been extremely unfair to me and to the Republican Party. I think the media has been very, very unfair in terms of the Republican Party and the way it's been covered. And uh, they understand that. They write articles about that. Many of them admit that. But the media has been unbelievably unfair to Republicans, conservatives, and, uh, and certainly to me. But with all of that being said, we're winning. So I like that. Jillian, so, you know, look, it's an ugly time. It's not new to have all this political rhetoric and and stuff in the United States, but it is a very kind of hot time. Um, Is he right? I don't know how he could torque it up even more. Uh, There's it's this is what happens when uh, when left unchecked. Uh, someone is allowed someone in the most powerful position in the world isn't allowed to foment rage uh, and and hatred and so you know there there are people out there who take that as a license to 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 act upon the words of their president so uh, to say that he's toned it down and he could torque it up even more well you know others have referred to this as the gaslighting of America but okay and on the flip side though Bob you've got all sorts of people who've I mean Andrea Horvath saying step on the neck of Ford has been pointed out you got Maxine uh, Waters you know telling people to go and and you know mob uh, uh, Republicans I mean there is rhetoric on both sides how do you see it well number one I, I think most of the rhetoric comes from a certain office, and it's the office of the President of the United States, and he primarily should take responsibility for this. Uh, you know what this has showed us more than anything else? Elections matter. <laughs> and it's important to get good people in public office, good conservatives in public office, good liberals in public office. This is not a good man, and this is not somebody who should be in a position of authority. But but we do see that, it here. I mean, we've had a lot of rhetoric in our own uh, backyard uh, on a Tuesday, and I, I thought that was and, wrong, because Ford's nothing like Donald Trump. I know. Andrea, Andrea Horvath's statement was completely inappropriate. Um, quite frankly, a number of the remarks and tone that comes out from the Ford government right now has been inappropriate towards the previous government. Um, so, you know, like there's enough blame to put all around. The Trudeau government gets on a high horse, uh, particularly on, on um, 
you know, uh, issues related to climate change and says things about other people that are excessive. So, like, you can point to each of the parties and go, guys, time to dial it down here. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we need Words to do. matter. Bob's yeah. right. Words matter. Yeah, I I just don't rem- I remember a civil time, but I don't remember a civil time. I just would I per- personally would like to get back to that place. It's not asking much, no. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Let's talk a little bit about Doug Ford because Ontario's open for business. We got signs everywhere. A lot of signs. It was just signs. I didn't actually, Jillian, get anything out of the announcement other than the fact that we're putting signs up uh, that say Ontario is back, uh, you know, open for business. Gimmicks, but I, what 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 is it? Well, I mean. It's 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 making a larger point about uh, you know what can we do to to boost the economy in Ontario. So it goes along with the Open for Business Act, and where we're trying to figure out how to wade our way through through 380,000 regulations on business, double any other jurisdiction, right? So it, that's that's the the meat of the work. Now putting up road signs. Well, there are road signs everywhere. It's uh, <laughs> yours to discover. Well, now it's going to be open for business. The road sign I'd like to see, Bob, is one that says, we're open for business because you get major corporate uh, tax discounts coming into Ontario, but that's not what the signs say. So it's, kind of, it's a gimmick, if you ask me. This is one of the stupidest things I've seen in a while, and this is carnival government. Like, let's get back to uh, the basics here and getting focused. So I'm glad there's an issue Jilly and I can uh, disagree on here <laughs> just because it is called counterpoint. But, uh, but it, this is ridiculous. Like, let's end this carnival barking and get back to serious government. In the last period of time, under multiple governments with multiple parties and multiple premiers, Ontario has been a fantastic jurisdiction to invest in. Under the previous government, it had one of the highest rates of foreign investment in North America. It had one of the best growth rates. Uh, If if it was a uh, G7 country, it had one of the best growth rates. It has one of the lowest unemployment rates now. The list goes on and on. To suggest in any way that Ontario has not been open for businesses utterly and completely absurd. So, oh, but, you know, but FDI, real, Bob, realize, you know FDI has plummeted in Ontario. So I, the, the I, picture's I, not I realize, so rosy. I, I realize this is great rhetoric and you can run around and do this sort of stuff, but let's get on with the serious business of government and let's declare the final election over. My party lost. Your party <laughs> won. Get to work. Well, they, they have been doing a lot of work. I will give them that. This sign, though, I'm like, okay, this gimmicky, it's nothing. But I will credit them. They've, they've, they have done a lot. Let's talk about um, the most recent drinking and driving uh, headline because it comes hours after we um, had just been talking about Marco Muzzo possibly being completely paroled within a few more months, not even three years into a 10-year sentence. And I don't know what we're going to do at this point, Jillian. Now we've got pot. I don't know what it is about why people think that they can get into a car drive what it's going to take but tonight there are three kids and they don't have a mom and as a mom of three that breaks my heart um and but i think we have to realize we've had uh, and it's not in any way to diminish what's happened but we've made such huge progress even in my lifetime 
I no, don't think it, so. Oh, we have. The sentencing so is you, a joke on this. Yeah, but if you think about how we've come culturally, I remember uh, stories in my lifetime of, you know, dads with an open beer in the front of the car and the kids bouncing yeah. around without seatbelts in the back. So, you know, over the that's, those decades of times, things have changed. When I was in high school, they put out wrecked cars, cars that were destroyed because of drinking and driving accidents. They put them right on our high school front lawn. Yeah, it made a difference. But people but, are dying still. But this is a forever issue. It's a forever educating issue. You have new cohorts of drivers every year. They need to be educated. So, you know, folks like Mothers Against Drunk Driving have a forever task in front of their hands. We as parents have a forever task in they front of their hands. They don't have MAD in Singapore. They don't have that there, Bob. You know why? Because when you get in the car and you have a drink or you're under the influence, you know that if you do anything, you're going to jail for like 30 years. That's quite a deterrent. And I get the point. I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, a little bit trite because we're never going to do that. However, it's going to take something to actually wake people up because if, if people aren't woken up by a grandfather and three kids dying uh, and now this, what's going to make them wake up? You know what? Stories like this make you sick when you hear about it and you just feel so badly. But on this issue, I agree with Jillian 100%. We have made massive progress in the last 30 years. When I think of, you know, when I was in high school, nobody thought twice about drinking and driving. And today... I wouldn't think about drinking and driving. I would Uber or Lyft or do whatever or so on and so forth. It wouldn't even occur to me to do it. So there has been a big change. Is it enough? No. Does there need to be more education? Yes. Does it have to be ongoing? A hundred percent. But we have made major progress, but we still have work to do. There's no question about it. And when you hear stories about the one that you just said, it really, really makes you feel bad. Yeah, I would just like, I think one's very simple thing would be tougher sentences. So people actually say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to spend the 10 bucks on a cab because it's just not worth it. I want to talk a little bit about Megan Kelly. Um, this is one of those stories that people talk about no matter where they are, uh, because the morning show on her NBC uh, contract, it's been canceled. And this comes after comments she uh, had made earlier in the week, a conversation where she defended blackface in Halloween costumes. It was a dumb comment. Uh, take a listen to it in case you haven't heard of it. So truly, you do get in trouble if you are a white person who puts on yes, blackface yes. for Halloween or a black person who puts on whiteface yes. for Halloween. Like, I, back when I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing up as, like, a character. Yeah. There was a controversy on The Real Housewives of New York with Luann as she dresses Diana Ross. And she made her skin look darker than it really is. And people said that that was racist. And I don't know. I thought, like, who doesn't love Diana Ross? She wants to look like Diana Ross for one day. I, I don't know how, like, that got racist on Halloween. I, so Megyn Kelly is an extremely smart woman. She's a lawyer. I don't believe that she didn't know this. She did give a very authentic uh, apology, Jillian, but she's gone. And, and there have been other stars. You've got Jimmy Kimmel, uh, a couple of late people, late night people, Sarah Silverman. They've done blackface and gotten in trouble, but not fired. Should she have been fired? Well, if someone as intelligent as Miss Kelly is can't think of the last 150 years of American history and how hurtful... Uh, comments like that, however she intended them, come across as hurtful. Uh, if you can't keep that in mind on national television, I don't know why you're on national television. Bob? In, uh, in this case, I think if she punched in the wrong security code in the elevator, they would have used that as grounds for dismissal. Yeah, I do too. I think they wanted her gone. Her ratings are tanking. Her- yeah. Her ratings have been tanking. Her show was bad. They invested a ton of money. I think they want to stop the bleeding and try to reinvent the show. Um, I think the remarks are inappropriate and just 
dumb. Um, are they subject to dismissal? I don't know about that, but I think there's a larger issue here, and I think this is a quite frankly, a smokescreen. I do too, because there would have been producers working on those segments. People would have been in the know that they were going to have that conversation. Yeah. And, and honestly, the um, comments were stupid, ignorant, but I'm not sure yeah. she deserved to be fired. So that's why I'm like, no, they wanted to get rid of her. Uh, I'm, kind, I'm, yeah. kind of in, I'm kind of in that boat. I mean, it was just dumb. Yeah, she's a bright woman, but that just dumb, dumb, dumb. Okay, guys, got to leave it there. Thank you so much for sharing your Friday with me. Pleasure. Thank you. That Thank is you. Bobby Richardson and Jillian Smith joining me here on this Counterpoint. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.